todo sea por un beso, Jill. Ya soñabas con llegar a McDonald's, ordenar tus McNuggets y tu Big Mac de siempre. Con extra pepinillos, extra salsa especial, extra cebolla, porque tú eres así, extra. Pero luego recuerdas que estás en una cuarta cita. Y quizá ordenar cebollas extra no sea la mejor movida. Hay un meal para cada cita en McDonald's. Ordena por anticipado por el app de McDonald's y llévate dos de tus favoritos, como McNuggets de 10 piezas y una Big Mac por solo 6 dólares. Precios y participación pueden variar. Producto individual a precio regular. Blog Voice. Welcome to the Blog Voice Podcast. I am your host, Delvin Cox, and along with me for the ride, as always, is my podcasting brother, Christian from According to Sources. What's up, brother? What's going on, man? How you feeling tonight? Good, man. Good. All right, let's get into the topic. What you want to talk about first? Oh, you want me to give my, my rap history lesson? <laughs> That's in the love. <laughs> Uh, we can do the history lesson. Maybe we can do the dating, the dating topic first. Which one you want to do? All right, let's go to the history lesson. Then, since you said, let's start off with that. Um, okay. Right, I'm gonna hit you up with some news that you probably should know, but you might not know the whole story. It's gonna be controversial as well <laughs> because people have their own way of seeing it. But I'm gonna break down the Ja Rule of Fifty Cent beef. Which I think oh man, is, that's a beef that goes on forever. Which <laughs> it's I never think is fascinating. Well, well, the latest news on it, which I think, which is the reason why I came up to the rap history lesson on this one, is the fact that uh, Fifty Cent said he bought two hundred six tickets to a Ja Rule concert just so the seats would be empty. The front row, man, the front row seats. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, they claim it. The ticket was only fifteen dollars. Fifteen dollars. That's it for Ja Rule. For front row tickets, yeah, for Ja Rule. All right, I'm That's gonna say something that um is an unpopular opinion. Jaru got railroaded, a hundred percent. You think so? Yeah, because it's a lot of revisionist history about Fifty Cent murdering Jaru. People seem to forget that it wasn't just Fifty Cent going at Jaru. It was Fifty Cent. Eminem, DMX, Buster Rhymes, the fans. <laughs> it was it was so much stuff going on with Murder Inc. at that time that it's no way Murder Inc. could have survived that. Like, for those who don't know how the beef started, I remember hearing about the beef because um it was right when 50 Cent was blowing up. Do you remember when 50 Cent was first blowing up? Yeah. 50 Cent had this this like amazing buzz. I want to say he was one of the first real like mixtape rappers in terms of like he put out a whole mixtape and people would just flock to it. It's not like um how Master P did it in terms of like P was doing something where he was going around like his truck selling mixtapes yeah. and, and selling his truck. albums and stuff like that. And that's what kind of what he was doing like rap a lot and people like that was doing. Mm-hmm. 50 Cent was making these mixtapes that people were calling classics. And he was kind of dubbed the next one up. And then he came out with this song called How to Rob. You ever heard the song? No, I haven't heard that one. Anybody who hasn't heard the song need to listen to How to Rob. It's basically um a song with the mad rapper. You ever heard of the mad rapper? Yeah, of course. Okay. It's a, it's one of his songs. 
And in the song, 50 Cent is describing how to rob other rappers. Like verse for verse. It's a funny song. And he's like telling, like, you know, in the song, he took he took shots at Jay. He took shots at Ja. A lot of people wasn't feeling that. Him talking about robbing him and stuff like that. He took shots at the Wu-Tang. If you get a chance, listen to the song. But out of this thing came the little Ja Rule 50 Cent beef before 50 Cent kind of blew up. Mm-hmm. And it kind of culminated in them both being in the same place at the same time. It was, I think it was Baseline Studios. A fight happening between both of the camps. And somehow the lights getting turned off and 50 Cent getting stabbed. <laughs> that, that's definitely a coincidence. Yeah, during the fight. So, <laughs> and you know, then you know, then the whole thing happened with 50 Cent getting shot at, shortly after that, which wasn't nothing, had nothing to do with genre. That was street stuff. But um, then, Shortly after that, but he was making these other songs and stuff like that, and he just happened to get signed by the biggest artist in hip hop at the time, yeah. Dr. Dre and Eminem. Because, in the 2000s. Yeah, because you know Eminem was a fan. He found he found the, the Fifty Cent mixtapes because they were blowing up. And the time. <laughs> yeah, and it's like. The hype machine behind 50 Cent at that time became so big. It was almost like he was a mythological legend, like like, the, like a Loch Ness monster. And the crazy thing about it is what people, a lot of people don't know is before he blew up with Eminem, he was rocking with Nas. Yeah, like there's a, few, there's a few songs out there that you can probably find that are considered kind of underground classics with him and Nas rapping. Who, 50 Cent? Yeah, 50 Cent and Nas. I'm going to check that out. Yeah, so, well, I think one of them is called Who I Rep With. But yeah, that's that's actually a thing. So 50 Cent, everybody's patiently waiting 50 Cent's out, his debut album to come out. He's still dropping mixtapes. Ja Rule kind of, while this time is happening, Ja Rule took his shot at the 50 Cent. He didn't discipline a record or nothing like that. Mm-hmm. But he kind of was like, oh yeah, 50 Cent ain't nobody to pay attention to. He's an ant. So he didn't, he brushed off all the 50 Cent disc records and stuff like the song 50 Cent was making on his mixtape that people were loving. Like, I smell pussy. Is that you, Ja? No, that was a, <laughs> that was like a, a hit. And yeah, Ja that's, was kind of that's kind of dirty, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, Ja Ru was brushing it off and wasn't responding. And you know why he wasn't responding. Because he didn't take it seriously. Because once he responded, it was over with. <laughs> yeah. And what ended up happening was Get Rich or Die Trying came out. Classic album. No, I do remember that. <laughs> and it's hard, as a lot of people would know, it's, it's very hard to beef with the guy who's on top when he's in his hot streak. It's even more harder to beef with that guy when that guy's not only a t- not, not, not only when that guy is like number one but his number one A is Eminem and they're both in their hot streaks that's kind of like when um that whole Jay and Drake beefs first started and Drake was just really blowing up 
and then Jay Z was still hot. Like we got Kanye, they was releasing the music. That was when the time I remember it. Drake couldn't really do much because at that time, me Jay was on un- like unstoppable. You couldn't really do much with him. So imagine that times ten. Because that's kind of what happened to Ja Rule in terms of like, during this whole time, Ja Rule was getting flack because his music was more commercial friendly. He was having commercial hits. He wasn't having the street joints like he was having before. Like he was having um, the joints with Jennifer Lopez in, in terms of like his first album was like a street banger. Like Holla Holla, It's Murder. Yeah. He kind of went away from that and was getting the pop success from that. But with that came beef with other rappers. He was having like, he was ha- he had a falling out with DMX. So DMX was coming at him. He said something on the record about Busta Rhymes. Then Busta Rhymes started coming at him. Man, why do New York rappers hate each other so much, man? <laughs> it's probably it's ego. A lot of that stuff is ego because everybody, just like with basketball, everybody in basketball thinks they're the best. Like it's a story where Anton Walker was like, I think he said this while he was playing for the Heat. That under the right circumstances, like you'd have been assigned to the right team, he or in a one-on-one, he could beat Michael Jordan. <laughs> Anton Walker thought he could Mr. beat you, Michael Jordan. Mister, you miss every shot you don't take. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's 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 the whole thing about ego and stuff. And Ja Rule at this time had a big ego, so he was kind of cashing checks he couldn't cash, and like. He didn't take 50 Cent seriously until 50 Cent blew up and 50 Cent started making these songs that was hits. And by then, nobody wanted to hear Ja Rule's response. And at that point, you got to realize the bigger you get, the bigger that net gets so everybody hears it, not just exactly. people that surround you. Yeah, that kind of happened. Then on top of that, Shady Aftermath was the hottest label with two of the hottest artists. And the crazy thing about that is both of these hottest artists didn't have a problem with dissing people <laughs> whatsoever. This is not a situation like with Drake and Lil Wayne where they're two of the hottest artists and they're not going to really diss you because they're, they're making money and they're enjoying their success. Eminem and 50 would stoop down to your level. Eminem started beef just because he was bored. <laughs> exactly. So what ended up happening was ja, ja Rule made a little diss track after um, Back Down responded to 50 Cent. It was a good diss track. Very good diss track for Ja Rule. Because Ja Rule can rap. People yeah. take that out of context. But the thing about it was, he mentioned Eminem. And at that point, you basically just sealed your fate. Yeah, so once you mention Eminem, then you are basically calling for a G-Unit versus Ja Rule diss. Which is basically happening. I think Haley's Revenge was the one that was called that everybody talks about. Yeah. Where Eminem just murders Ja Rule. And then he had one with um, Obi Trice. That I love. Yeah, it's a song that uh, it's on the um, it's on a soundtrack um with Jet Li, the Jet Li and DMX movie. I cannot remember the name of that movie, but the song's called "Go to Sleep." It's Obi Trice, Eminem, and DMX all dissing Ja Rule on a movie soundtrack. On a movie soundtrack. Let me see if I can find. It. Give me a second. I'm gonna find. See if I can find. The soundtrack. And Romeo Must Die. Romeo Must Die. That's what it is. Because I had the soundtrack. So they're dissing them on that. 50 Cent dissing them on every G Unit mixtape, but they're going off on them. And everybody, G Unit wasn't no slouch. Yeah. Everybody in G Unit had bars. So 
you look at it, already you got Eminem, G Unit, 50 Cent, DMX, Obi Trice, D12, all going to Ja Rule. That's not including what's going to happen with, in terms of like Busta Rhymes getting added into the equation and stuff like that. And who Ja Rule has had. Busta Rhymes started out as a hype man. <laughs> exactly. So, and who does Ja Rule, because Busta Rhymes at the time just signed, I think he just signed the Shady Aftermath. But who does Ja Rule have having his back at this time? Benzino. Ja Rule had nobody having his back at this time. He had Benzino. <laughs> <laughs> and now, and, and, and Cadillac Ty and Black Child. That's not people, that's not a group you want to go to war with. Now you're going, that's the Warriors. That's the Warriors versus the Bulls right now, man. Exactly. It's not, <laughs> it's not, it's not a pretty picture, so. Nah, it's not. Shout out to my Bulls. Y'all suck. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, Ja Rule, he kind of Joe Budden it in the way where and there's no offense to Joe Button, but like Joe Button already said, it was kind of a mistake. When Joe Button got in the Drake beef, he came out with too many diss track records after it. So Ja Rule yeah. had the smart idea of coming out with a whole diss album towards 50 Cent called Blood in My Eye. It was a very good album, but nobody cared. <laughs> nobody cared. What's hey, man, I'm telling you, 50 was one probably the biggest rapper in the 2000s, man. I mean, yeah. album after album, song after song, hit after hit. And he kept coming with them. And every album was a hit. And it, it didn't help that not only every album was a hit, but everybody on G-Unit had like a hit album. It was all putting out great music. And that, yeah. was, and that's, that, was, that was a power team back then, man. For it real. And then add to that, and this is, I think, then you know, you had the situation with Murder Ain't getting raided and stuff like that. And you were starting, you were, people were watching the downfall of Murder Ain't at this time. People didn't pay attention to it, but that was far more fascinating than the 50 Cent beef with Ja Rule because the feds was coming after Murder Inc. Yeah. They raided Murder Inc. studios, they confiscated a lot of stuff. And you know, Ja Rule. Going back to the beef a little bit, Ja Rule was responding and stuff, saying that 50 Cent put out an order of protection against him and stuff like that. Uh-huh. But with all this stuff he was saying, people didn't care. It's almost like how um, when Meat was how Meat was responding to Drake in terms of like, oh, Drake got peed on and stuff like that. People didn't care. No. Because Drake was the hot guy and 50 Cent was the hot guy, so no matter what you really said... And you, you see, that's the thing, going back to that Drake and uh, Meek Mill beef, Meek Mill put out some good diss tracks. War yeah. Paint, War, War Paint's probably one of the best diss tracks I've heard of the yeah. last few years. Very War Paint was great. Melly killed it. Nobody but cared. When it gets the commercial success like Drake, nobody cares. Nobody cared whatsoever. And Joe Button kinda... released great diss tracks against Drake. Nobody, nobody cares. Care. Why? Because it's Joe Button. <laughs> exactly. And to add on to that, Ja Rule, even after when this, when this beef was, it wasn't even over, but it was kind of dwindling down. Ja Rule had one of his best albums he ever put out. That Rule album is incredible. That yeah, New York is. joint with Jada and Fat Joe is an amazing song that nobody cared about whatsoever. And because <laughs> as soon as it started blowing up, that's when 50 started going like, no, 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 no. He even said it himself. He, he saw that song blowing up and he felt like he had to immediately go after Jada and Fat Joe because of that. 
because he saw it was like bringing life back to Jocelyn. That was a big record for New York. Yeah. Dope song, dope album. I recommend anybody who's a hip-hop fan to get that Rue album. Even if you don't like Ja Rule, it is an excellent Ja Rule album. But nobody heard it because 50 killed him. But I think that was an interesting side quest to talk about that beef. I think anybody who have questions or want to comment on what I was saying, that's just being Christian about it, man. We can talk about it some more. I love talking about hip-hop, so that's an interesting thing indeed. So let's get into it. The next topic was um relationships. Oh man. <laughs> you wanna go ahead first on that one? Oh in my twenties? Oh, it was ridiculous. I was um I remember this clearly. Um it was funny because when you mentioned this topic to me, I, I kind of laughed because I vividly remember my twenties being a time where I had a crazy situation because I almost got married in my, my like when I was twenty to a girl. Like two oh zero? Yeah, two zero. Oh man. And like she was kinda like me and her fell in love seeing you and all that stuff. And yeah. two weeks before the wedding and stuff, she was like, nah, I can't do it. And she just left. So I was heartbroken. I remember that because I was like heartbroken. And it took some time, but I got over it. But what it kind of opened me up to was, uh, maybe I shouldn't be so serious about relationships at this age. Mm. And I had a good job at the time. I was working, I was a manager at a place where I used to, my hours were um, 3.30 in the morning to one o'clock, which I think is a perfect hours for work. Oh, that's, yeah. Ain't nobody doing that before one o'clock. Yeah, so I, I used to get home and like chill out for like a couple hours, take a nap or something like that. Mm-hmm. Wake up at nine o'clock, eight o'clock, go to the club. <laughs> Le- just go straight to the club because I was making money. I, my, at that time, this is how crazy. I lived in an efficiency and I had it all fixed up, nice stuff like that. It was a nice little efficiency. And stuff like that. My rent was $400 a month. $400 a month? That's it? Four, $400 a month. Man, please. You know what I do for $400 a month for rent? <laughs> exactly. I made at least double that at my job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I would just literally every week or every couple of days, my boy would call me up. Let's go to the club. <laughs> we we at the club all day to like 2 o'clock. And I, the clubs, that's, that's different though, man. You in Miami. The clubs down there is Totally different breed from any other city, man. Wow. And it don't close till five. So at two o'clock, the party, two, three o'clock, the party just started. <laughs> well, at two o'clock, two thirty, going home, taking a shower, changing clothes, going to fit to work. Hey, man, that's the life. It sounded like you had some fun in your Tonys, man. Yeah, it was carefree, man. It was like, you know, and I think people should have fun in Twitter. It's not only a guy thing. It's a girl thing too. You go out and have fun because once you have kids, it's a different type of fun. Yeah. 
once you start having a family and stuff like that, you're not going to have the fun where you can be irresponsible and do shit like waste $600 in a club for no reason whatsoever. Just because you can, you know. And I think that's kind of lost on people now. Yeah, man. I, you know, <laughs> the funny thing about nowadays is um, everybody has this baby fever. And it's like, yeah, you got baby fever until the baby actually comes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to deal with responsibilities, man. That's a whole exactly. different scenario then, man. And I had my son when I was 26. And even then, I was like, uh, <laughs> I think I'm too young. <laughs> You know, because I was, even when I had my yeah. son, I was like, I was still kind of a bachelor. Like, I was dating different girls, like, because where I worked, that was, um, I, hell, I just tell you, I worked at Einstein Bagels. Mm. It was like a, a bagel shop. And the good thing about where I worked at was, it was in like, um, it was in Coral Gables. So it was a really nice area, nice. Mm. And it was next door to a Starbucks. And at this Starbucks with some of the beautifulest women you ever seen. Working there and coming there. <laughs> so when you're a single guy who's a manager making decent money and you're constantly coming across these beautiful women, you're going to mm-hmm. constantly date and flirt with these women on a regular basis. Man, I knew you was having some real fun. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It was like, it was, it was fun because it was carefree and, you know, it wasn't like I was manipulating the girls. That like that was just good old fun. We was going on dates and stuff. We was being adults about it. We was, hey, we'll go to the movies. All right, we go to the movies. Hey, we'll go out to dinner. We we'll go out to dinner. It was like the, and I'm telling you all the location exactly where it's out basically because it was across the street from the Houston's restaurant. Mm-hmm. So we'd go to Houston's and go get a grab a bite to eat or hang out and it was carefree and stuff. One of the girls I was talking to at the time, she invited me to. She used to play um guitar and sing. Oh, for real? Yeah, so she used to be like, she was like a Lauryn Hill type chick. Oh, man. So are she, you, are you, say less. That's all you gotta say. I already know. <laughs> so she would always <laughs> invite me to these like little nightclub spots that she would play and sing at, man. Uh-huh. And it was, it was fantastic. It was fun, man. Just going out there and living life, man. And I think if any young man should go out there and do these type of things and enjoy life that type of way. Yeah, you see, that's the thing. Nowadays, we can have all the fun as it regards to men, women. Man, it's so, it's so messed up, man. They can't even walk around down the street without yeah, being gawked, looked at, touched inappropriately. There was a stat that I saw the other day, and it said that um, one out of four American women have been experienced some form of sexual assault. One out of four. That's crazy. <laughs> so chances are somebody in your family has experienced sexual assault. Yeah. That's a sad and harsh reality. And that's the that's the harsh reality women nowadays face, and um. As a man, I'll never, I'm not going to say I'll never experience that, but we experience it at a far less rate than they do. Yeah. 
And mm-hmm. that's a whole that's a podcast for another day. We'll talk about that whole stuff. Oh, yeah, we, we got to. <laughs> we'll talk about that subject another day because I got something to talk about with that subject too. But that's um, a bigger, deeper story. Yeah, definitely. In terms but, of the um, we behind men and sexual assault because it's it's real. Man, that, that's definitely a whole other podcast. You got to have that about. Yeah, we got to have that conversation. I'm definitely open to have that conversation with you on it. But, All right, um, tell, tell me about your 20s, man. We ain't getting to yours. 20s, man, I just... <laughs> That's my point. What you're dealing with now? Like, uh, man. Um... Are you in a relationship? Right now, no. Um, Are you having fun? You know, I'm just starting to learn how to have fun. Um, I got out of a relationship um, a couple months ago. It's been off and on for like a year, year and a half. But um, you know, when you're so used to talking and being with somebody and talking to them all day, all of it, you know how that go. Yeah. When it's yeah. not when it's not there, you miss it. Your heart, but oh man, crazy. It's crazy. nothing wrong with that, by the way. It's natural. Yeah. But um, I think I've been in a total of what four relationships. Three of them are serious, and at this point, man, I don't know. I just <laughs> I feel like I need to just have fun, man, because now I'm learning how to have fun without that connect, without that without that emotional connection. Yeah, that's it's a big fun. part of it. That's the be- that's the best part, man. For real. As long as you're transparent about it. Mm-hmm. And she understands that, and she knows, like, hey, we're both having fun. If well, if something gets serious, it gets serious. But right now, we're enjoying life. You know, it's okay. You know, yeah. I think people need to understand that not every relationship ends in a marriage. You're going to have relationships with people where you're going to talk to them for a while, and you're going to never see them again. Yep. That's life. But, and, um, um, what were you saying? No, I was saying that, um, it's it's funny how life works out because some of the people I thought I would spend my whole life with I've never talked to again, and I'm not hurt, and I'm not ever. I never think about it. It never comes to my mind or anything like that. And it's just amazing how life flips that way because of scenarios and stuff, you know. And it is crazy, you know. Everybody thinks they go married at their first high school sweetheart because I know I did, man. We had plans. Of- we're going to get married. We're going to go to school here. We're going to have kids at this age and blah, 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 blah. And, man, I talk to the girl maybe once or twice a year now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Birthdays and uh, Christmas, that's about it. Trouble conversation, you know, it's it's still cordial. But, uh, no. Nah. <laughs> yeah. nah, that, that, that doesn't happen anymore, man. Yeah, man. People don't get married at 18 and last at 70 anymore. Yeah, that's a true thing, man. I think it's because... Well, even now, the generation we live in now is interesting because if you want a girlfriend, you just can use a swipe on your phone. Yeah. You can find girls out there. It's not hard to like find a date. It's not at all, man. It's 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 too easy to the point to where it makes me feel uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Like, it shouldn't, like, I know most men would probably be like, oh, man, you complaining about that? Like, no, nah, man, it shouldn't be that easy. <laughs> yeah, it really shouldn't. And I feel like the easier it gets, the more accustomed we are to, you know, not actually having to try anymore. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's, it almost kills the pursuit in terms of like the accordance, how you court a woman, court a woman, should I say? Yeah. And how a woman courts you in terms of like, hey, this is my name. How you doing? This, this, that, this, that. Let's go hang out and stuff. No. Now it's like, hey, I grab my phone and type, I like you. I don't like you. And see their special life. Because when you're when you're on those websites, you don't see who the person really is. They, you see what they want you to see. Mm-hmm. And as far as that goes, uh, towards the um, part of it being so accessible, uh, do you ever just feel like to the point to where it's that easy for them too? Do you think it's that easy for them? Yeah, I think. I also think that, um, which is a subject for a whole other podcast, the fact that. Women are more free than they've ever been before. Mm-hmm. So it's more openly, they're openly having their whole thing. Really? I think that's why you see more girls out here who are more open to showing their body and they're like, uh, you can't shut slave, slut shame us and things like that because you don't have that. You don't have it where you know how they say girls have their whole phase in college and stuff like that. Before yeah. that was a private thing, now it's already out there for everybody to see. It's, you can see it on people's Instagrams. You can see it on Twitter. You can see them out here trying to be Instagram models and stuff like that. Man, I have really, I really do hate to be that guy. But man, I'm, I'm tired of seeing butt cheeks and everything on my timeline, yeah. man. I, I, it, it gets a little bit old. I ain't gonna lie. And it makes it not feel as special anymore, man. Like it's I agree. Just only only your face. You don't feel like you ain't gotta work for it no more. I can't remember the last time I actually had to actually court a woman to get something, man. You yeah. don't have to anymore. Yeah, I was saying, like, I, I don't know if I said it on this podcast, I said it someplace else that, you know, there was a time where you had to search to get porn. Like getting porn was like the holy grail when you were younger. Really? Yeah, because it wasn't so available. Before the internet was around, you had to like either find a magazine or like watch a the scramble blockbuster, <laughs> watch the scramble channel at your parents' house when you bang in the box so you can maybe see a nipple. <laughs> <laughs> now you can just take your phone and go on Instagram and you see an ass and tits everywhere. And I'm not slut shaming women because I feel like they are they are free to do whatever they want to do with their bodies. Like they say, your body, your choice. But at the same time, I can be okay with it and not have an opinion on it because it's not my place to have an opinion on somebody else's body. Yes. But yes. the way it affects men, like I want, I want to have something real. I want to appreciate be able to go about it the classical way, you know. Yeah. Meet somebody, you court them, all this other stuff. You know, the way it's, the way people usually do it. 
that doesn't happen no more, man. Yeah, and I think, like, my parents used to say that your body's a temple, and, you know, it's an honor for people to see that, and that doesn't really get out there as much as it used to. Like, for a man to see your body should be something special because that's yours, and you have pride in that, and I think women don't realize there's power in, like, not letting people see your stuff and, like, having a wife where everybody hasn't seen her body. Yeah, especially when you're rich and famous. Definitely. All right, man. Let's get on. What's the next topic we had to talk about? Let's. Uh let's see. We talk about the dating one. Uh Well, I can't find my topics right now. I can tell you in one second. Jimmy Trade. What did you think of it? I don't know. Is Jimmy the answer to people's problems? No. <laughs> They're going to say that. He's not the answer to the Heat's problems. He's not the answer to the the, the Rockets' problems. Any other team is trying to trade for him. I mean, I think we just got to the point to where star talent is such a rarity because they lock down to these contracts and teams nowadays. You got to get it where you can. And players like, players like Jimmy Butler don't hit the free agency market or the trade block that often, if ever. I think it's interesting right now where the NBA is at because you're, you're going to start seeing that transition. And I think, not me being a heat homer or nothing like that, but the way Wade is kind of showing the end of an era. Yeah. Those players are going to start transitioning out. Like the Wade to LeBron, because they're getting older. And you're going to start seeing this new crop coming in. So you're starting to see changes happening now. Where yeah, teams you see don't look, don't, the teams don't look as crisp as they were looking before. And it's kind of because we're starting to see these new players coming in and having to adapt to the system in terms of like, even players like Lonzo Ball, he's not who he's going to be yet. You said he's not what? He's not who he's going to be yet. Yeah. He's not fully developed. So even though you can say what you want to about him, we don't know where he's going to be at three, four years from now. We don't know who's tomorrow stars in the NBA and who's showing out to be that. We're, we're getting some flashes of that right now, but do you really know who's the next LeBron James going to be? You know, I don't think we're going to have a next LeBron James. The closest one I could say that would be that would be either Giannis or Ben Simmons. And I'd lean with Giannis a little bit more because Giannis' offensive game, offensive game is a little bit more polished. Well, I'm not even talking about like basketball. I'm just talking about like the face of the NBA. Oh, no, never. No. We don't like you got Steph, of course. Yeah, we got Steph, but Steph isn't as personable as um, LeBron is. LeBron comes from a single parent household, grew up in poverty, and now a billion dollar contract with Nike and basically the face of basketball across the world. Um, Steph doesn't come from as humble beginnings. You know, father played in the NBA, 
So you know, money was always there. Yeah. Not saying they was rich, but yeah, come from a from a lot better position than um, a better position than LeBron, definitely. Yeah, and I think we need to get that transition. It's gonna happen eventually. So the NBA is gonna put somebody front and center to be the face. It's always happened, whether it's Michael Jordan or Shaq or Kobe Bryant. They've always had that one player or Grant Hill at one point or AI. They've always had that one player they kind of seen for a period of time as that face, that guy you've seen on all the NBA commercials or all the NBA basketball games, covers and things like that. And it's now looking like we're going through that transitional period where they don't really know who that's going to be. So they're still holding on to Steph. Steph's got a lot of time left. Yeah. LeBron, while, while LeBron is still playing at a potent high level, it's not going to be too long before he starts getting hit in that decline, that noticeable decline at least. You know, I think LeBron already hit that decline when it comes to defense. <laughs> yeah, that that defense is. Oh. And we talked about it in the third earlier. When was the last time LeBron played defense? Baylor of um, BTG, you know, shout out to him. <laughs> he said LeBron ain't played defense since the East Coast final against D Rose in 2011. Yeah. It's been a minute. That's, that's that's man to man. Yeah, it's it's been a minute. So bad. Yeah. So let's get a. That says it all right now. Let's get to what's the next topic. Oh, let's talk about the whole pipe bomb thing. I think that's important. I think we should discuss that. Yeah. There was a whole bunch of pipe bombs going out to these prominent Democratic figures. Obama got one. Hillary Clinton got one. And you can think of got one. Yeah. Any Democratic uh, official you can think of, they basically got a pipe bomb. <laughs> Debbie Washington Schultz, she got the one that was meant for Eric Holder. Uh, pretty much everybody, yeah. And Soros. To me, it was a scary moment for America. Not only because they're the obvious reason now there's pipe, there's somebody out there sending pipe bombs to presidential figures. It's because they sent a, they literally sent a pipe bomb to a former president. But um, the fact whether it was whether or whether it was functional or not, the fact that that actually happened, yeah, that's crazy. The fact that people's responses to it, it was really disheartening to read some of these responses from prominent figures about these attacks happening in terms of like some people call it the false flag. For those who don't know, a false flag is when. Doesn't necessarily have to be a Democratic Party, or a, a party official, or a government official. Well, it's government official makes up a claim or makes it seem like something's happening that's really not happening. Like, for example, a lot of people were saying at one point that 9 11 was an inside job. That's a type of false flag or something like that. Or the, the moon landing was fake. That's a false flag. Because they're doing it, they're, they're, they said they were faking it for a political game. Like they said, oh, if the Russians think we got to the moon first, that's a political advantage because the moon race was all a political thing. They just wanted to, it was they were trying to get ahead of Russia. Yeah, it's trying to outbest each other. Yes. So seeing that people were kind of making it a political thing where and not looking at the fact that hey, somebody's attacking our country. Whether you like the Democrats or not. 
these are attacks on people who are our citizens. That's a hard pill to swallow, man. That people are so callous to be like, oh, no, 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 this is not real. Uh, oh, it's the Democrats trying to scoop this up so they can help with the elections. At some point in time, you have to put politics aside and say, hey, we're these are people out here. We're human. And I, I've said the same thing when um, the shootings happened at the country concert. Like, whether they're Republican or Democrat, those are people down there getting killed. Exactly. And this, not this generation, but this administration, not to necessarily blame it on Trump, but he's kind of the catalyst for these type of things because of his, the way he talks and the way he inspires people in such a negative way, they take what he says. It's almost like a cult. You know, I've, I've gotten sick and tired of people saying, oh, don't blame Trump. Don't blame Trump this. And yeah, do you see the speeches that he gives? They're dog whistles to racists. Yeah. And even during after- during the campaign during the campaign trail when he was talking about Hillary and taking away uh taking away your guns, he said that two way people might have something to say about that. Come on now. What's that saying? Harm a form harm a former first lady? Yeah, that's that's the things he said. Cause even after like I think it was the day after they they caught the guy or something like that. It was almost business as usual. The same rhetoric was speak, being speak, speaking at his campaigns and stuff. And the I'm same like, night, the same yeah. night. And that's what bothers me about this whole situation because at some point we got to be human and we got to be like, you know what, this has to stop. And and it's not like it's not about Democrat or Republican. Because I'd be saying the same thing if it was a Republican. These attacks would happen to Republicans. Exactly, like Steve Scalise when he was shot at a baseball field practice for a game. Political violence has no has no has no place in politics, left or right. Yeah, and I think people forget. No matter what happens, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna use this example because I think this is best suits you. Mm-hmm. This country is like the Chicago Bulls <laughs> in terms of like not not how bad they're playing. Well. Kind of, yeah, that too. But, you know, yeah. right now, the Republicans are the starters. The Democrats are on the, on the bench. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, we can argue about who wants to start and stuff like that. And we can get in debates and stuff like that. That's all good, fine, and dandy. But at the end of the day, we're on the same team. And that gets lost on people. You know, as far as that goes, when you say it gets lost on people, I think people forget it. It gets lost on them on purpose because they don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. That's a sad, harsh reality. And I think also, and this is another topic for another, we got a lot of topics for another other podcast, but <laughs> people's revisionist history for Obama is crazy. People forget how bad the country was before Obama took over. Oh man, just dolls of him being strangled and unhung. Uh, people were throwing banana peels. Well, let's let's, let's talk about um, logistics wise. When Obama got in office, gas was like almost six dollars. 
Gas was the same price as a file of crack rock. <laughs> but you know, and I think and that gets lost on people that when he left, a lot of things were fixed. Yeah, there were things that um weren't perfect, but mm-hmm. the country was in a better place when he left than when he got it. And that's the thing I feel like is lost on a lot of people, especially people that aren't very favorable uh, democratic politics, that people forget how bad the country was and Obama got it. Really, bad. Bush gave him a shit show, man. Yeah, and I don't fault him for that completely because I think he got a raw deal in terms of like, when he got in this country, 9-11 happened. Exactly. <laughs> then... Then after 9-11, Hurricane Katrina happened. Yeah. He was having problem after problem. That's a... And he wasn't prepared for that. At all. He wasn't smart enough to deal with it either. Yeah, so... I'll take that in consideration when I think about Bush. The fact that not only did you have one of the biggest... No, the biggest attack on the U.S. soil happen on your watch as soon as you got in office. Then you have one of the worst hurricanes that was so ill-prepared happen on your watch as well. And you get flack for that. Yeah. A lot of people died in Katrina, man. Too many people, too many people died. That shouldn't have died. A lot of people that should not have been killed because they was ill-prepared. And that city still had to recover. Well, that state still has to recover from that. And that's crazy to think about that, but that's how it is. And Katrina was what, 12 years ago? Yeah. <laughs> not to want to say it was in 13, because it happened in 2005. Yeah, and that's crazy to think that. 2005. That's crazy. Yeah, man. All right, is there any other things we got to talk about before we get out of here? Um, No, I think we covered it all, man. All right, man. Uh, this has been a good one, man. I like this one, man. I had my history last one was pretty good, man. <laughs> I got. I got to start coming up with some more now, man. I think the rap history lessons here to stay, man. I got. I want to do what the next one. I'm gonna do. I don't think it's gonna be about beef. It's gonna be about um something different. I gotta think of what it's gonna be though. I can't wait for that one because they like it. I've heard a lot of good comments about it. <laughs> That's good, man. Let them know where to find you at, Mister. Um, because you had a you had a tweet blow up recently, so. Let them know the fun you had on Twitter so they can start hopping on that. <laughs> uh, it's at two underscores. Uh, my name, Christian, C-H-R-A-S-T-A-N. And you can find me and the rest of my guys in the corner sources at uh, at A2Sources on Twitter, uh, Instagram. Okay. What the hell is the Blog Boys on Twitter? Is? I never can remember it. You said what? The Blog Boys Twitter account. We have a Twitter account. I just never use yeah, it. Yeah, we I do. Forget it. That's- I, at Blog Boys Podcast. Um, F Boys ends with a Z. Yes. All right. Cool. Cool. And y'all can follow me on Twitter at Delvin underscore Cox. And one day, a court associate will put out another episode of their podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. It's it's wild. Uh, you know, the age difference between me and Dre and Devin and Rob. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. They've got whole families and 
Devin's expecting. Yeah, congratulations um, to Devin, man. Yeah, congrats to my man, Dev, man. I've been uh, getting on Dre's case about that almost every week. I'm like, yo, fam, where's the podcast, D? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, hey, yeah. time's hard, man. Like, yo, my G, I'm like, what you hear this about this podcast? <laughs> You know how that goes, man. Yeah, I know how that goes, brother. All right, man. Blog boys, we are out. Peace. <laughs>